Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ben from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. Hello. And we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products and top-notch service with free advice from beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting or searing, Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin star chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And on today's show, we've got Shauna from Hangfire Barbecue. Hey there, you all right? Hello, pronoun da from Wales. Awesome. One <laughs> half, you should say one half of Hangfire because the other half's still chained to the smoker. That's correct. Me uh, deep in gumbo. Sam's, Sam's the brains, I'm the looks. <laughs> Here, help us. <laughs> uh, that shouldn't have been that funny, boys. Yeah, no, it's the same here, but I'm the brains and the looks. Ben's just, I don't know what he is. Uh, Braun. Well, thank you very much for having us on your lovely show. It's an absolute pleasure to join you. Yeah, and it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to get you on for a long, long time now, so it's good to finally get you on and we can finally chat about all of the world of Hangfire. So do you want to just start off by just introducing yourself and a little bit of the background around Hangfire and how you began? Sure. Uh, in 2012, Sam and I quit our jobs to go on an epic road trip across America. Uh, at the time, we were backyard barbecuers, but also very keen musicians. Sam is probably the best female harmonica player you'll ever meet. I was a cool. singer-songwriter, um, so I think uh, the combination of barbecue and music drew us to the site to meet our hero, Dolly Parton. Uh, she's been a big part awesome. of our journey. Um, uh, going across America, learning how to do American barbecue, you'll know when your listeners will know that there are different regional styles of American barbecue, depending on where you are, whether you're in Texas or the Carolinas. And uh, we had to travel to New Orleans and Louisiana on a mission to uncover uh, this quite ancient cooking method. And um, that was not, we didn't have a background in food. And it was just something that we had a passion and a love for. Uh, before Sam quit her job, she was the global head of creative for a massive company, and I was one of the government's uh, lead child death investigators. So, career changes is an understatement. Yeah, so, was definitely. was there an intention at the end of end of the trip, or was it sort of like you just went on the trip and organically you became Hangfire? And so we we were we'd always been uh, big into bringing people together through food. Um, so, I mean, I, I met Sam uh, 20 years ago now, and a big part of our journey together has been feeding other people. So whether it's inviting people over for, you know, Sunday roasts for 20 people, or whether it's doing a massive cooker in your back garden and getting people involved, we knew that when we quit our careers that we wanted to establish a business in food. And we knew that we enjoyed the barbecue and the outdoor cooking and the cooking on sustainable fuel. 
And I think the music was the key pivotal thing that drew us to the South. But when you're in the Southern States, it's very hard to see anything other than barbecue. So it was a, a combination of a loose plan, which then organically developed the more we travelled around those Southern States. Awesome. So it must have been like hard, like leaving. Both of you had good jobs. It must have been hard leaving that security and just going for it. And, and obviously, it's worked out well for you girls. You've been absolutely crazy busy for the last year and, and before that, and we've been seeing you everywhere, all over the place, doing all sorts of stuff, as well as smashing the restaurant. And, and I've heard so many good things about the restaurant and the book. And mm. it's just been a bit of a, a roller coaster <coughs> couple of years for you guys. Uh, in, in four years, we actually got invited to do a TED Talk uh, a couple of months ago. Wow, TED so Talks are, you know, where they invite, uh, in inverted commas, inspirational people uh, to come and, and talk about one con- key concept, one single idea. And the, what we talked about was um, how we went from a pop-up restaurant to permanent restaurant in the Pump House in three years with no investment, with no experience of running our own business, and no experience of the food industry. So the last three years of our lives have been um, the, like a roller coaster. Uh, you know, it's scream if you want to go faster. It's happened to us very quickly. Um, I can remember sat in Nashville, uh, living in the hills of Tennessee, and emailing a friend of mine who had a little dodgy little boozer in a less salubrious part of Cardiff. And I emailed him and said, look, we, we bought this smoker in Texas, and we want to bring it back with us. Um, how about we put it out the back of the pub and we turned the pub into a little barbecue joint and she said, do whatever you like because the pub was three weeks away from closing the doors. Yep. They'd invested all of their life savings into this little pub and it just hadn't worked. No. Um, so we started, we got the smoker, came on a Tuesday uh, and we started cooking for the locals uh, on the Friday and then very quickly, within nine months, we'd gone from feeding 10 people to hundreds of people I think a big part of the success was the combination of the pop-up model, which we'd seen this pop-up model because we'd lived in London. That was quite prevalent where you would go into an underused space or a disused space and turn it in, repurpose it into something else. In in this case, it was a a little pub that we were repurposing into a barbecue joint. Um, But experience and it being experiential was a really important part for us because if you're going to drag people to this little doggy boozer, then it needed to be when you walked through the door, there was the photographs from our road trip playing on a projector, BB King, blasting out of the jukebox, all the homemade sauces on the table, me taking every order and Sam plating up every plate of food. So the quality and the consistency of what we did was on lockdown in terms of the experience, but also in terms of the food. Um, We had built quite a cultish following uh, through social media which meant that um, we had a telephone call out of the blue from the Radio 4 You and Yours Consumer Affairs program that asked us um, to take part in a TV in a radio program that they were producing about the pop-up model. Uh, so the pop-up model uh, it now contributes uh, 2.1 billion pounds to the overall British retail economy. It employs at any one time 24,000 people. There are at least 8,000 pop-up opportunities happening all across Britain um, all all the time. So obviously the government started to get quite interested in this model because uh, (laughs) because anything that makes money, the government wants to know about to make Mm -hmm. sure that they're Mm. applying the correct uh, levels of taxation. Um, And 
There was a big piece of research done uh, about the pop-up model, and when they drilled down into the figures, it looked like Cardiff had a disproportionately high number of pop-up experiences, and then when they drilled further down into the details, the pop-up experience was food, and when they drilled further down into these, the numbers, it was actually us that had skewed this huge piece of government research. It, it wasn't that there was a huge number of pop-up opportunities. There's one awesome one, yeah. <laughs> it was just one big pop-up monster <laughs> that had happened to have fed half of South Wales out of this dodgy little pub. Amazing. So, so as, a cool. result of, as a result of that, the researcher had said to us, uh, look, girls, have you ever heard of this thing called the BBC Food and Farming Awards? And I was like, of course we had, because the Radio 4 BBC Food and Farming Awards are like the Oscars of the food world. Yep. Um, and by that time, we built up such a following on social media that we sent out one tweet saying, come on, guys, there's never been a female Welsh winners of the street food takeaway category. Nominate us. And lo and behold, we won. Wow. Uh, we won the street food takeaway category with the highest number of nominations in any category in the 15-year history of the BBC Food and Farming Awards. That's amazing. Speaks double double winner then. <laughs> speaks volumes for um, what you do. Yeah. So uh, we're at the BBC Food and Farming Awards. We've we've been on stage. We've been given our our prize, which is a chopping board, our life-changing chopping board, yeah. which travels around with us. Although you've got to be careful not to take the chopping board on the street food stall, or someone will literally start chopping something yeah. on it. <laughs> so you've got to be careful about that. Um, and we were at the bar getting drunk, celebrating our our win. And we were approached by a publisher uh, from Quadro. Uh, Quadro are one of the biggest publishing houses in the world. And uh, this woman said to us, girls, have you ever thought about writing a cookbook? And we thought, no, we haven't. And she said, well, you know, when you sober up, have a think about it. And if you want to write a cookbook, get in touch. So we said, fine. We went straight from the BBC Food and Farming Awards to the street food circus in Cardiff um, and just basically started working on the stalls. There was no real time to process it. A couple of weeks later, I got in touch with this woman. We went down to London, and I was prepared to do the pitch of my life for this cookbook because I thought yeah, it would be a really good thing for Sam and I to do. Yeah. And they'd already made their minds up that um, they wanted to write a book with us because uh, the Hang Fire Cookbook is one of the very, very few books ever written by two women about American barbecue. I can yeah. imagine. <laughs> I can believe that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the cookbook, we're really proud of. Um, you know, uh, we we never thought we'd write a book, but we, we wanted the, a cookbook to be more than a more than a cookbook. And um, actually, the title of the book is the Hank Fire Cookbook: Recipes and Adventures in American Barbecue. So as you go through the book, you'll see, um, it's a lot about our road trip, yeah. a lot about the different places that we went, the weird and wonderful people that we met. Every recipe in the cookbook has a has a story, a touch point uh, to either a person or a place in America where we were inspired to produce that particular type of recipe. And the cookbook is packed full of fun and personality in, in a way that I really hope that we inspire other people to start smoking, to buy smokers and start to do this sort of American-style uh, food, but also to inspire people to quit their jobs and go across America on an awesome road trip. And actually, lots of people that I've met over the last three years um, 
sort of feel that what we've done was uh, really brave and, and really exciting. And, and in one respect it was, but uh, I think what Sam and I have worked out in life is that if you just take a big deep breath and you do what your heart is telling you to do, generally speaking, it works out. However, you've got to be able to work very, very, very hard. I mean, our previous jobs as a creative director and as quite a high-level academic, we, we knew what hard work was. But if you're going to establish uh, your own business, particularly in the food industry, you have literally got to be prepared to throw yourself at it 16 hours a day, seven days a week, for four years. That's essentially what we've done. Uh, it's been a lot of hard work, but I think that hard work is, is, has really paid off. Definitely. Yeah. Like you said, like you've got to go in it with that attitude. You can't just go out like, right, let's quit our job. We're going on holiday to America, and then let's hopefully make some money at some point. You need well, obviously, with the, the street food and the rise in street food, we, I, I get a lot of people that will either come up to the store or come to the restaurant or just stop, stop me in the street. And, and uh, a lot of people sit at home thinking about setting up a little street food business or a little pop-up model business um, like on top of their normal jobs. And you know what? You can do that. But if you are going to have the hang fire effect and go from um, a starting point and within three years achieve what we've achieved, you've got to be prepared to work to make it every part of your, your living moment, your living day, um, because that's the kind of dedication it requires to well, achieve it in such a short space of time. Yeah, see, see I, I've done a bit of like catering on the side like, and out of out of my job and it's it's never been for me it's not i'm not trying to do it on that next level i do it as a bit of a i don't know i almost say like a hobby that because i enjoy it i may as well try and do something a little bit here and there so i i don't know I sort of like handpick a few events i would like to do and go along to them and do them but i have like the absolute utmost respect for anyone that that is doing that sort day of in, thing day, day in day out because <laughs> like cooking cooking all night working like going to a site to set up at 6 a.m setting up get the smokers going start cooking again on site uh serve all day till like 11 half 10 11 o'clock at night to then clean down pack up go home like to then smoker. like your smoker oh, going to smoke overnight and i'm like <laughs> i literally like i've so i just did a weekend then uh this weekend just gone and i'm absolutely just dead to the world he's got some eyes somewhere in there yeah it's just like, it's like how so, do people uh, do this this, this weekend uh, we we just finished a, a food festival actually cartridge food festival it's the one that's most local to our restaurant here in wales uh two-day festival thirty thousand people for the first year we managed to to, to persuade cartridge food festival to do outdoor cooking demos which uh sam and i curated uh, we had some awesome people come along um, and cook outdoors. The, the appetite for it in Wales was huge. Um, we, we did like Persian kebabs. We had our friends from Meet the Greek teaching us about Greek Cypriot food and cooking outdoors. And um, there's a, re- a group of restaurants here in Wales called Bar 44 that have just opened uh, a restaurant dedicated to Perea Grillin called Asador 44. Cool. They came and did a demo with us. And then also... A good friend of ours, Imran, who's a Cardiff food blogger who's just got to the final, uh, semi-final of MasterChef, came and did a joint demo with us. Ah, so okay, cool. we, had the, we had the restaurant running at the same time as curating the outdoor uh, fire demos, um, but also feeding people on the stall. I think we've had about over 2,000 people this weekend on the food stall, so it's busy, 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 busy times. Wow. 
restaurant holding <laughs> hosting a hosting a stage of demos and street food stall all at once. You feel bad for but saying you were busy. How off to you? <laughs> but coming back to the, the, the pop-up model and then into street food, um, what we felt was that so we um, we developed our customer base. We we had uh, by this time started to really learn how to do American barbecue because even though you go on a road trip across America to, to learn how to do it, the journey really begins when you come home and you have to do it for yourself and you have to work with um, different butchers and different farmers to get the specs of meat that you want. And you know, obviously American barbecue is, that, is a balance of art and science. There's scientific principles at play when you put a piece of meat in a smoker, but also it is an art thing about <laughs> the restaurant is that... Uh, we do have that sense of permanence now, yeah. you know, with, with the pop-up model, you're moving around, moving around, there's so many customers that would just have just about found out about us before then we popped up and somewhere else. So it is quite nice to have the permanence yeah. of the restaurant where uh, you don't have to chase us around the country anymore, you can just uh, come to <laughs> yeah. Barry. Yeah, at least you can make a plan, can't you? It almost doesn't matter maybe that it's till yeah. October you can't come, because at least you can plan because we're not when going you're going anywhere. there. Yeah. 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 Um, we, we breezed over the, yeah. the the book a little bit and, and I just sort of wanna just go into the how great the book is and so many people now often refer to recipes at the book in, in the forums and stuff when we're chatting to them. Have you tried this? Like mm. I did some pastrami the other week and <clears throat> it sort of started off a bit of a pastrami wave and country wood smoke and and a few people uh mention about how good the pastrami recipe was from from your book and you've got a pastrami recipe oh, on there that's very kind that is very very kind and um, what we've always said about the book is that the recipes are just the way we would do it you don't have to do it the way we do it feel free to um change or interpret or you know maybe not yeah. when it comes to things like curing because obviously there's sort of like scientific uh, things that need to happen to a piece of meat whenever you're curing it. Yeah, but like your flavourings in there, you can you can change up if you wanted to go with yeah. different flavourings as long as you've got your your correct amount of salts, curing salts, and, and water, etc. And and what Simon and I love as well is that interestingly, um, you know, if you think about the meat industry is almost entirely male dominated. The American barbecue scene is almost entirely male dominated. The restaurant industry is entirely male dominated. And for us, two women bucking a trend within that has, has meant that I see more and more women now getting into American barbecue. I think our book and, and our approach has been a very non-threatening, uh, which has meant that you've had other people, other women sat at home thinking, you know what, if those girls can do it, and uh, I, th I think I'll give it a go. So, I mean, it hasn't been a stated aim of ours to be on some um, crusade or mission to get more women cooking outdoors, but it's been a really lovely byproduct of the journey that we've been on to see more and more women get outdoors, buy smokers, customise them, and start smoking themselves. This was actually it was Christine Dale who uh, posted the. Uh, I love Christine. It was Christine her who posted the uh, pastrami. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> And she's been doing loads of stuff. She's been doing demos and stuff. She's uh, entered competitions and stuff, and it's she's doing so good. And it was I her who posted it. about the pastrami, and then a couple other people have as well from the book. And uh, someone commented on a couple of pictures of mine and said, oh, have you got a recipe? And they were like, oh, you should 
get the hang fire. Someone commented saying, I'll oh, get the hang fire book. Their recipe's really good. Much better than Dan's. Much better than what mine probably would be. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's... With the recipes, we wanted to just showcase what we'd learned in America. It's a starting point for anyone that's interested in this style of cooking. Um, we're so pleased that it has inspired both men and, and women to get into this style of cooking. Um, and we just hope that there's enough uh, personality in the book as well to inspire people to just get out there and start smoking yourselves. And um, when Definitely. we opened the restaurants, um, we were always, when we started our business, we were called Hang Fire Smokehouse mm-hmm. uh, because a smoker was the only piece of kit that we owned. But now in the restaurants, we've dropped the smokehouse and we are the Hang Fire Southern Kitchen. And I suppose what that allows us to do is bring online uh, lots of other recipes that are in the book pertaining to our love of Louisiana, New Orleans, uh, Mississippi. <laughs> so things like gumbo and jambalaya, etouffee, um, you know, dishes now like we're that. Talking. Yeah, um, that, that was kind of the vision for the restaurant, that it wouldn't just be a pure place smokehouse, that it would be a southern kitchen that focuses on southern hospitality in the south of Wales. Amazing. So that, that, that gives us um, much more scope to... Um, change and switch up the menu as as we as we like we have wills's only custom-built argentinian style Korea grill it weighs a metric ton uh, we call him lemmy because he's a ton of heavy metal but that was also in homage to lemmy from motorhead who sadly passed away last year uh, obviously a good welshman uh, so that's our little dedication to motorhead um, and that is so when we've opened the restaurant yeah we've got smokers but we also have a big Argentinian style Korea grill so what we've started what started as a love of American barbecue and smoked meat has turned into a love of southern cuisine southern cooking and cooking with fuel sustainable fuel natural fuels uh, because that's a big part of the flavor profile in what we do you know, different types of wood for different types of meat, but also different types of charcoal for different types of meat. And wood and charcoal being a flavour profile in itself is very exciting to us. Also, but outside of barbecue, there is like a whole whole array of foods, like you said, I mean, like like gumbo, for instance, mm-hmm. using just one, uh, and jambalayas, stuff like that, which which there aren't an awful awful lot of, uh, awful, an awful lot of uh, showcasing of in the, in the UK. So I guess well, it also re- reasons gives... For that, reasons for that may be that... You, you, take a gumbo, for example. So gumbo is a dish that is thousands of years old. Um, it's, there's many, many different interpretations of that dish. Um, it's a poverty dish in the southern states. So, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the history of what we do, whether it's ribs or chicken wings or brisket, they all tended to be traditionally cheaper cuts of meat done yep. well. Gumbo is exactly the same as that. I think with a gumbo as well, it's a very difficult dish to recreate if you haven't been to the southern states of America. It would be like trying to produce uh, sushi and having never been to Japan. You know, there, there's, I think there's certain dishes that, that, that mean so much to that culture that yeah. really you have to go and immerse yourself in that culture to try and get an understanding of what the dish is trying to say to you. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we went from a business of two people. Now we employ 22 people in the restaurant down in Barry, half of which 
are our kitchen teams and chefs. And it's been a very um, slow, difficult journey to try and teach people in Wales how to make a lot of this food, because obviously many of them have never been to America. No. So I think we need a big staff training day in New Orleans. Perfect. That's what we need to build yeah, up we'll to. Come. Yeah, we yeah. can record it for Maybe, maybe you yeah. guys can come along to that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah no worries. definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards when we finish recording. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we, 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 the other thing that you're talking about, dishes like gumbo, they are a labour of love. Yeah. Um, a bit like American barbecue and smoking meat. It's all a labour of love. It's very time intensive, very labour intensive. You know, we make a gumbo twice a week <clears throat> and the roux that it starts with, because obviously the, the more caramelised the roux is, the more depth of flavour you have. And we literally have a dedicated member of staff standing at the gumbo pot, stirring the roux for about two hours. Which is so Sam currently. Whole... <laughs> it is Sam, actually. <laughs> um, that the making the gumbo has not been passed on to any other member of staff yet. If you come to the restaurant, every bowl of gumbo is made by Sam because it's such a it's such a difficult, complex dish to yeah. make unless you've actually been to America and been taught uh, mm. how to do it, or, you know, and again, practice, practice, practice. But dishes like that, I can understand why um, lots of other restaurants or even street food stalls don't do dishes like gumbo, because they're very, very time-intensive and very labour-intensive and, and actually quite difficult to, to pull off. So uh, I think we are the only restaurant in Wales where you can buy gumbo. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's awesome yeah. in itself. So not mm. just barbecue, but branching out and doing all these really cool things. Is there a gumbo recipe in the book? There is. I think that, yeah. Yeah, cool. There is. I watched this really cool yeah. video uh, on YouTube. It was like, I don't know, it was a very old video. And it was of a, a, a guy with a sort of crowd in like a, I guess like a TV kitchen studio. And he was uh, doing a gumbo recipe and... Uh, and I, I literally really struggled to even understand what you're saying because he was talking with like <laughs> the deepest, deepest like accent so and yeah, and, and just like the slang that he was using, like it was like a foreign. It was like I was listening to someone speaking in a foreign language almost because some of the words that they use in in replace of other words and stuff. Just I was like, this was. It was a really cool video actually. I have to try and find the link. It was mm. it was really really funny and and yeah and. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> that's it, really. Well, I would love to see that. Find the link. Oh my God, it's way. it's so cool. I'll uh, I'll tweet you the link at some point Every, later on. You know, even with dishes like gumbo, you'll find again regional variations depending where you are in the southern states. Some might use tomatoes and have a, a sort of tomato-based gumbo. Other people use an okra. Some people put it in shrimp. Other people andouille sausage, chicken. You know, it, it's it's one of those dishes that you that Mama would have made, but obviously everyone's got their own interpretation on it. The thing that makes a gumbo a gumbo is sassafras. That's uh, filet powder. That's yeah. what Hank Williams is singing about in the, in his song. Um, that's the thing that makes gumbo taste like a gumbo. And actually, it's quite an unusual ingredient. It almost has a medicinal um, taste to it. So gum a traditional gumbo, as we've had it, can actually be quite challenging for a lot of our customers and um, who are not used to that flavor but if it doesn't have sassafras in it it's not a gumbo sassafras sassafras it's a tree um, and then it gets ground into what's uh, uh, known as filet powder mm. 
That's the thing that you're going to need if you're going to make a gumbo. I've written yeah. it down. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see if this is going to work. One second. Right, that's just a clip of, of part of the video. I found it. Preview. That's it's a very sneak there. preview. It's like a ten-minute long video. And and uh, oh. send me the video. I loved it. I just got lost in the video. It was like brilliant. I I was I didn't even know what he's saying for part of it. I was just like, yeah, this guy's cool. <laughs> okay, well, boys, that's going to be your mission now over the next couple of weeks. You're yep, going to make a gumbo. gumbo. You're going to take photos of it, and you're going to tweet me. Yeah, we'll do. We'll release it with All the right. podcast. <laughs> um, well, just before you go, I'd, just one one more question from me really is just obviously you you were a huge success. Like I think the fact that Ted want to speak to you as well is a massive highlight to me. I spend half my life just watching Ted videos. I just find them so inspiring. I just love the fact that they managed to get find all these people that are doing such amazing things. And every talk you ever watch is so awesome. You were, you spent like a lot of the day the other day watching different Ted videos like. We like there's so many videos that are relevant to all areas of life and it's a great area to be developing in um but what would your advice to like people starting out if you, people are going to start their own pop-up i guess is where you began with it all is that the place where you think people should start uh, what what would your piece of advice for someone starting out and what what so do we need to be doing is it just hard work or is there more to when, it when sam and i um decided to quit our careers and go traveling on a mission to try and find out how we, what kind of food business we were going to set up. The one thing that I realized is that you, you have to be realistic about your own skill set, and you have to be uh, realistic about things, what, what exactly are your passions, what, what is going to drive you, because um, when you run your own business, you end up working uh, an incredible work rate, so you need to have something that is going to motivate you to get up out of bed in the morning. Um, for us, it was a combination of a love of food, a love of bringing people together, and a love of country music. So invariably, in the middle of that triangle was American barbecue. So really, uh, you've got to find your own triangle. You've got to find your own, what are the three things? What is the thing that you love? Uh, what is the food that you love? What do you, how do you enjoy spending your time? Um, and somewhere in the middle of that, the idea will emerge. I think as well that if you plan in any kind of food business, I think that you need to do your homework. You need to do your research. Lots of people come to us and say, girls, we're thinking of opening up an American barbecue street food stall business. And I say, well, have you been to America? And they say, no. And I say, well, that's, that's the first tip. You need to get on a plane and actually go there because until you've been to America uh, and tasted the dishes, it's going to be very difficult for you to recreate them in Britain um, without knowing. Hey, I come back to the, the analogy of there's no point in opening up a sushi bar if you haven't been to Japan. So uh, research, homework, but you've got to find that thing that you're passionate about. And sometimes it, it can be a spin-off of something that you're passionate about. So, you know, Sam and I uh, were really into bluegrass, old-time country music, um, so we kind of felt like we already had a pull to the deep south of America. And then when we were there immersing ourselves in that food culture, 
Um, and, and the idea, like you said, right at the top of the show, sort of organically grew into what we're doing now. Amazing. Perfect. Great way to finish. Thank yeah. you very, very much for coming on and, and giving us your time. And we've loved speaking to you and can't wait to come to visit. I look forward to meeting you both in the flash. Yeah, well, growth stock, I yeah, think, we'll will probably be the, the yeah, right, we'll, very soon. We'll be there. Come awesome. Say hello. We'll Can't wait. Definitely. Fantastic. Maybe more than Thanks, one. Boys. But, uh, <laughs> looking forward to it. Oh, Have a lovely day. <laughs> Ciao. And you. Speak to you soon. Bye. 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 Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smoke Good Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker, wanting to upgrade, or looking for charcoal cabinet smokers, then check them out over at Max Barbecue. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. And regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting or searing, Kamado Joe is the premium ceramic grill chosen by Michelin-style chefs and barbecue enthusiasts alike. Get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. And finally, Smokewood Shack. Deliver quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. So if you're looking for smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter under Smokewood Shack. So, goodbye from me. And goodbye from Dan. And goodbye from me. I'm better than you, if you're going to say that. No, 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 no. I'm better than you.